Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome again to our Sabbath School Advent Hope. And um, we've been doing um, different topics in this left front class. And um, today's my last time to teach this class. So I'm going to do um, a topic that I wanted to study as well. And again, I think most of you know that I'm leaving here in a couple of weeks. So um, we did um, a series on the book of Daniel and then on the book of Revelation. We've been through Hebrews. We also did Romans for prayer meeting. And then we went through First and Second Peter um, most recently in this class. What we're going to do today um, is actually a study out of the book of Romans on faith and believing. And I'm, I'm going to try to tie in a few concepts together. So I hope that you will enjoy going through this study from the book of Romans, which is one of my favorite books to study. Why don't we have a word of prayer and we will get started. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Sabbath day. We thank you that we can study from your word, and I pray that you will bless us and guide us as we study from your word today. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the way I'm going to start is we are going to look in the book of Romans in the first 10 chapters um, every time, well, especially the first eight chapters, and then there's one verse in chapter 10, every time that we see the word believe, you will notice as we go through these chapters that the word believe is very important. And as we go through these verses, we will gain a better understanding of what it means to believe and how important it is that we do believe. So I'm just going to go through these verses, and some of these are very familiar, but I think as we put them together, you'll start to see a familiar theme. The first verse is Romans chapter 1, verse 16, probably one of the most familiar verses of all of these. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what do we see here? The gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So in order to be saved, you must believe. So clearly the, to believe is very important. So that's the first verse we see in the book of Romans about believing. The next verse is found in Romans chapter 3, and we're going to go back and talk about this, but I'm just going to take you through the verses first. The next verse, talking about what it means to believe, is found in Romans chapter 3, verse 3. And this says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So this verse, so what if some do not believe? Does that make the faith of God without effect? No. And we'll talk about the importance of this passage later in our study. The next verse that talks about, that has the word believe is Romans 3.22. And I'll pick it up in um, verse 21. 
here it says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So who receives the righteousness of God? All those who believe. So again, Romans 1, we see, if you believe, it's the power of God to salvation. Romans 3, if you believe, you receive the righteousness of God by faith of Jesus Christ. Next verse, Romans 3, 26, we see the word believe again. Romans 3, 26 says, To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So you believe in Jesus, God will justify you. That sounds like a pretty good deal. So, now we've gone through some of these verses. Now we're going to go to Romans chapter 4, verse 3, the next instance of the word believe showing up in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 4, verse 3, and here it says, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So now here's a tangible example of someone who believed, and because he believed, he was counted as being righteous. And if you're counted as being righteous, that means you're, you have salvation. So here's a tangible example. And we're going to talk about this some more. The very next, or two verses later, we see the word believe again. Romans 4, verse 5. Here it says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So a similar concept to two verses earlier. And now we're going to continue on here in Romans chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 17 and 18. And we see the word believe in both both of these verses. And this is speaking of Abraham. It says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So now we see that Abraham, we're get, getting an understanding of what Abraham believed. He believed in God who quickens the dead, calls those things which be not as though they were, and against hope, believed in hope. So as we're going through these verses, I hope you'll start to see the, the idea coming out. What does it mean to believe unto salvation? Okay, and then the next passage that talks about believing is found in Romans 4 verses 23 through 25. We see that Abraham received righteousness. Now let's see what Romans 4, 23, 24, and 25 say. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So Abraham believed, righteousness was imputed to him. But it wasn't just written for his sake. If we believe, righteousness will be imputed to us. Specifically, it says, if we believe on him, God the Father, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. 
And then the next time we see the word believe is found in Romans chapter 6, verse 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6, verse 8 says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So now we're starting to see a little bit more. What does it mean to believe on God who raised Jesus from the dead? If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. And then the last verse I'm going to show you in the book of Romans, I was mainly going to show you the, the word believe in the first eight chapters, but this verse in Romans 10 verse 9 sums everything up very nicely, so I'm going to show you this verse. Romans 10 verse 9 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So, as you look at the word believe in the first ten chapters as we've just done, it's very striking the way Paul paints this word picture. We start off that everyone who believes is the power of God unto salvation. Everyone who believes receives the righteousness of God by faith of Jesus Christ. Abraham believed and he received righteousness and it was not written for his sake alone. If we believe, righteousness will be imputed to us. And if we believe, um, if we're dead with Christ, if we believe, we shall also live with him. And then finally, if you, we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, we'll be saved. So, <clears throat> at a very basic level, we see from the book of Romans that to believe is absolutely essential. You can't have unbelief. And Romans 3 says, so what if some do not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. So even if some people don't believe, those who do believe will show God to be true and everyone else a liar. And we're going to talk about that. So believing is absolutely essential. And of course, you know the verse in James, though. The devils believe and tremble, but they're not saved. I mean, James says, you believe in one God, you do well, but the devils believe and tremble. So just to believe that Jesus is God and that the Father is God, well, the devils believe that also. And they're not saved. But they know, you know, they might lie to human beings, but they know down in their heart of hearts that God is God. And... They can say whatever they want, but they know that that's true. They believe and they tremble at it in their quiet moments. That's what they tremble about. So just because we believe that God is God doesn't necessarily save us. So what about <clears throat> believing has saving qualities? Now, <clears throat> as we said, to believe is part of the gospel of salvation. And... In verse, uh, sorry, in Romans chapter 3, <clears throat> I want to spend a little bit of time talking about verses 3 and 4 because Romans 1, we see that everyone who believes they receive salvation through the power of God. <clears throat> but what 
is the contrast. Again, we've talked about this. Romans 3, 3 and 4. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Now, <clears throat> I find this to be a very fascinating passage of Scripture, which... It, at first glance, it's like, boy, I, don't, I have no idea what Paul's talking about here. God, for, God be true, every man a liar, that you, you might be justified in your sayings and might overcome when you are judged. What in the world's Paul talking about? Well, if you look at verse 3, what Paul is saying is just because some people do not believe, does that make God a liar? Does that make the faith of God of no effect? <clears throat> and what verse 4 is telling us is th that there will be people in which God's name will be honored or glorified through. And as we went through the first 10 chapters of Romans and we saw the word believe over and over again, you start to see a contrast between those who do not believe and those who do believe. Just because there's those who do not believe, it doesn't dishonor God's name because God has a group of people who do believe. And so in the judgment, God will be justified in his sayings and he will overcome when he is judged because there are people who believe even though there are people who do not believe and people say, well, that makes the faith of God without effect. No. Romans talks throughout the first eight and ten chapters about those who do believe. And we're going to see how they believe and, and what it produces. But in verse 26 of Romans 3, you can tie this verse into together with Romans 3 verses 3 and 4. In Romans 3.26, which we've read, here Paul says, To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Now, what is Paul saying here? That when God justifies someone who believes in Jesus, he is just in doing so. It's not unfair of God to justify someone who believes. And what we see from Romans 3, 3, and 4 is that God is putting his name on the line in the judgment over those who believe in him. So in the judgment, you're going to have a group of people who do not believe. But God's not going to be judged by the people who don't believe because they don't believe. They're not saved. There's no question there. They don't believe. What God is going to be judged on and how he will be justified in his sayings and how he will overcome when he is judged is those who do believe. These are the ones that he has justified because Romans 3.26 says that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So God is just to say they're justified because they believe and he's putting his name on the line. Now that's somewhat of a solemn thought. Did you realize that God is putting his name on the line for us in the judgment? 
but that's what Scripture says, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And he will be justified. And the other word for justified in the original is actually vindicated. So God will be vindicated in his sayings and overcome when he is judged. Based on those who believe. Now... <clears throat> In Romans 3.26, when it says that God might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus, God can be just to justify someone who believes because they really are just. Because Romans 3, 3 and 4 says God is not a liar. And in Hebrews 6, it says it's impossible for God to lie. Titus 1 says it's impossible for God to lie. So if you think about it at its basic level, God is not going to say that you are justified and righteous if you're still sinning because that would make God a liar and God doesn't lie God tells the truth and so we make God liars and we seemingly make the faith of God without effect by saying that he can justify us while we still live an unrighteous ungodly life and what we're going to see in Romans 4 and 6 specifically today that when we believe we are believing in something that totally changes our life 100% we're not believing in a God who leaves us stuck in a life of sin we're believing in a God who raises us up to walk in newness of life and that's what we're going to talk about <clears throat> now my next point that I want to show here goes back to Romans 3.22. And this is talking about those who receive the righteousness of God. Now this is interesting, Romans 3.22, it says, Even the righteousness of God, it's manifested, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. And um, I hope I'll have time to develop this thought, because there's not next week. Um, so, <clears throat> here we see the righteousness of God is, is by how? faith of Jesus Christ. To who? All those who believe. Now, most modern translations translate this as faith in Jesus Christ. King James translates it as faith of Jesus Christ. And if you look at the Greek, um, it's, it's not a slam dunk necessarily either way. It, it, it's not like the King James, though, mistranslated it, and you look at the Greek and you're like, oh, that should have been faith in Jesus Christ. It actually, in the Greek, it's faith Jesus Christ. That's the way the Greek reads. So then you have to decipher, is it the faith of Jesus Christ or faith in Jesus Christ? Most evangelical scholars would think that it's faith in Jesus Christ based on their understanding of salvation theology. My belief, based on the context and how we're going to develop this, is that it really is faith of Jesus Christ. And Romans, I mean, sorry, Revelation 14, 12 talks about, here is the patience of the saints, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. And Ellen White leaves it as faith of Jesus Christ throughout her writings. So, you know, if it was wrong, if it should have been faith in Jesus Christ, you know, she should have changed that. But um, 
anyway, so I'm going to stick with faith of Jesus Christ. I had a discussion with my father-in-law, Gerard Domstein, and he believes it's faith of Jesus Christ as well. And his argument is, is that if you're saved by your faith in Jesus Christ, then you're saved by your own merits. But if you're saved by his faith, you're saved by his merits. So I thought that was a good theological argument as well. Okay, and in the Arabic, it's faith of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so thank you. So this is an important theological point because Romans 3.22 says that the righteousness of God is by faith of Jesus Christ to all and upon all them that believe. So in order to re receive the righteousness of Christ, we must believe, but it also says we must have the faith of Jesus Christ. So to believe seems to be tied to the faith of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about the faith of Jesus Christ in the context of the book of Romans here. Now, we'll come back to that, but I'm just laying that out there as a framework. So what we see first um, in Romans 3, you have the faith of Jesus Christ. In Romans 4, you have the faith of Abraham. And it's not faith in Abraham, it's clearly the faith of Abraham in Romans 4. And um, Romans 4.16 actually calls it the faith of Abraham. Um, the, the actual terminology, the faith of Abraham, is used in Romans 4.16. And Romans 4, starting in verse 3 again, it's Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And those of you who came to the Romans class that we went through, I'm not going to go through all the verses again because for interest of time, I'm going to make some assumptions that you already know this. But just as a brief highlight, to show what Abraham believed, you go to Genesis 15. Abraham did not have a child. Then God takes him out in verses 5 and 6 of Genesis 15, shows him the stars. Abraham believes God and God counted to him for righteousness. Abraham sees the stars, he realizes God is creator and he can create a new life with him and Sarah, even though he and Sarah are past childbearing age. And because Abraham believes in the creative power of God to take a life that physically is dead and can't produce a new life or a new birth, God says, because you believe in my creative power to do so, I'm counting you as righteous. <clears throat> That's Genesis 15. Now, <clears throat> the rest of Romans 4 also explains <clears throat> how Abraham believed. And we've read some of these verses. Verse 17, Abraham believed God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. So here we see, and Paul is clearly tying this into Romans 4 from Genesis 15. Abraham says, oh yeah, God is creator. Because he is creator, he can quicken the dead and call those things which are not as though they were. Because he's creator. His word has creative power. And because of that, Abraham, against hope, against all natural reason, believed in hope, even though it didn't make sense humanly speaking. And he even considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. We've talked about this. So when we have saving faith, it's not just for ourselves. Abraham's faith produced fruit in Sarah, and our faith should produce fruit in others if we have saving faith. 
um, and going on, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So he didn't have unbelief, he believed, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. There's the first angel's message. So Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And notice verse 21, it says, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, in Romans 4, 3, it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Romans 4, 21 and 22 says, Abraham was fully persuaded that what God promised he was able to perform, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. <clears throat> Excuse me. So... To believe means to be fully persuaded that what God promises, he is able also to perform. So it's not just like, oh, I believe that Jesus died for me. Praise God, I can still keep sinning and I'll be saved. That's not what it means to believe. Paul defines what it means to believe by showing Abraham against hope, believed in hope. He was strong in faith. He was fully persuaded that what God promised, he was able to perform. And that's why God could say, okay, you're righteous, because you are fully persuaded, 100%. It's not just something theoretical. You know that God is going to do it, and you expect it. Therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. So now we have faith of Jesus Christ. We haven't really talked about what that is. We have faith of Abraham. And at the end of Romans 4, and the faith of Abraham is being fully persuaded. Then the end of Romans 4, verses 23 through 25 says, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Okay, now it's not written for Abraham's sake alone. It's also written for us if we believe. Now, what does it mean to believe? It means to be fully persuaded that what God promised, he is able also to perform. What did God do for Abraham? He gave Abraham and Sarah a new birth or a new child after it was physically impossible for that to happen. And he was fully persuaded. What are we believing or being fully persuaded? We're believing on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Now, does the rest of Romans give us an idea of, of the significance of that? Romans 6 obviously gives us an understanding. Romans 6, verses 1 through 5. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. You see what Paul's doing here? Romans 4, we believe on him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was raised again for our justification. And in Romans 6, we see that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
that's who we're believing in. We're believing in the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. So just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should be raised up to walk in newness of life. So what are we believing? <clears throat> and what are we fully persuaded in that will bring righteousness to us. We are believing that just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will raise us up from a life that's dead in trespasses and sins to a life, a, a life that's described as being newness of life, not continuing in sin. In the first five verses of Romans 6. And if we are fully persuaded, 100%, that God can do for us what he has said he will do, if we are fully persuaded that what God has promised, that he will perform, that he will raise us up to walk in newness of life, then righteousness is imputed to us as well. It's not just a pie-in-the-sky experience for Abraham. It's also for us, if we believe. It's not just, a, oh, I believe in God. No, it's, I believe that God who raised Jesus from the dead will raise me up to walk in newness of life. Just as Abraham believed that even though physically speaking he and Sarah were dead, they were able to have a new birth experience. So we are believing in the new birth as well. <clears throat> this is what it means to believe, and this is justification by faith. So justification by faith is not, oh, I believe that God will cover me with his imputed righteousness while on the inside I'm still dirty and living a life of sin. Now, if you read um, Zechariah 3, the high priest takes off the filthy garments from Joshua before clothing them with the righteousness of Christ. So we don't cover filthiness, we are covered with a, the righteousness of Christ because we have a new life. Now, here is where <clears throat> I want to point out a, uh, some new thoughts for myself. I've been studying about this in the last couple of months, and I like to go back and take a second look at some things and make some more connections. And in Romans 6, verse 8, it says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So Christ died on the cross. And we are told, actually in a, the two verses earlier, that our old man is crucified with Christ, which causes us to be dead and allows us to be raised up to live a new life. <clears throat> It's not stated explicitly here, but I believe that it's implied. It says, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Notice here we are clearly believing that we will live a new life. Um, it's very explicit here. When Christ was dying on the cross, <clears throat> he went through a very trying experience. <clears throat> and this is where I believe the faith of Jesus Christ comes in. And I'm going to read a quote <clears throat> from Desire of Ages, page 753. <clears throat> and this will go along with what scripture states about Christ's experience on the cross. The Desire of Ages, page 753 says, Satan with his fierce temptations wrung the heart of Jesus. The Savior could not see through the portals of the tomb. Okay? 
Hope did not present to him his coming forth from the grave a conqueror or tell him of the father's acceptance of the sacrifice. He feared that sin was so offensive to God that their separation was to be eternal. Now this is interesting. <clears throat> Before Christ was on the cross, Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. But he didn't feel that on the cross. On the cross, he's saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So something that he had faith and believed in very clearly before he went through the cross experience was, I will be raised from the dead after three days. But on the cross, he couldn't see that. And what we're told in the Desire of Ages is that he was afraid that bearing the sins of the world was so offensive to God that it would create an eternal separation and that the Father wouldn't raise him up. But he decided to go through with it anyway. But, but yet, in the very next verses, I mean, in Matthew 27:46, he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In John 19:30, then he says, It is finished. So Jesus had to deny, because he was a human being hanging there on the cross. Yes, he was God, but all of his divine foresight and prophetic views were removed from him on the cross. He was experiencing <clears throat> separation from God, and as a human being, he could not see how he could come up from the grave. He just couldn't, he could not see that. But yet, he, he made a decision that even though his surroundings felt like he couldn't come up from the grave, he remembered what even he had said, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. And then he said in John 19, it is finished. This was a statement of faith. A statement of victory that even though humanly speaking he couldn't see past the tomb he says it is finished I finished the work you've given me to do and then in Luke 23 46 he says father into thy hands I commend my spirit another statement of faith from all human appearances Jesus was going over the precipice into the into the abyss he could not see through the portals of the tomb but through faith he believed that his father would raise him up from the dead. And <clears throat> this is where I want to make a, a, a few connections here in the last few minutes. So when we talk about the faith of Jesus Christ, we see the faith of Jesus Christ in Gethsemane and on the cross. In Gethsemane, Jesus is saying, Father, not my will, but thine be done. If it be possible, let this cut pass from me, but not my will, thine be done. On the cross, he can't see through the tomb, but he decides to go through it anyway, and he believes that God will raise him up even though, humanly speaking, he is tempted to doubt that it would be possible. That's the faith of Jesus Christ. Believing in what God had said to him earlier, even though it doesn't seem possible at this very moment. Well, God said that he would raise me up, but right now I don't sense that that's going to happen. I don't feel that it's going to happen, but God said so. I even said so, and I'm God, but right now he's a human being, and he can't see it. 
but he believes in what God said earlier. And there's going to come a time, maybe you've already gone through it in your experience, but certainly during Jacob's time of trouble, when God's people, we've talked about we're going to go through it without an intercessor, and it's going to be a time of trouble such as never was seen, but we will come through victorious. But there's going to be a time during Jacob's time of trouble that we will not feel that we're going to come forth victorious. It's going to feel the same way that Jesus felt on the cross. There's no way out. And the only thing that you can rely on is what God said before. That's the faith of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, this is where the faith of Abraham comes in. Because you, you wonder, well, what does the faith of Abraham have to do with saving faith and the faith of Jesus Christ? What's the comparison? <clears throat> well... In Genesis 15 and in Romans 4, we see that Abraham believed in that which was humanly impossible. <clears throat> Having a child when he and Sarah were past childbearing age. Now here's the interesting thing. Have you ever read, oh I know you have, but have you ever thought what follows Genesis 15 where Abraham believes God because God is creator and he can do what he says and it's counted to him for righteousness? Do you know what Genesis 16 is about? the story of Ishmael and all of a sudden Abraham lives according to the works of the flesh and now the, the question is okay God you're saying that Abraham believed and now he's righteous and you're just to say that he's justified what are you talking about God Abraham's living according to the works of the flesh and so that is why we have the story of Genesis 22, when God says, take your only son whom you love, and he had to turn the knife in a little bit, take your only son whom you love, Isaac, the son of promise, and offer him up as a sacrifice. And we know the story. <clears throat> Abraham takes Isaac to Mount Moriah, and just as he's about to drop the knife, the angel tells him, tells him to stop and says, now I know that you fear God. <clears throat> now, this is an interesting part of the faith of Abraham. Hebrews 11, <clears throat> verses 17 through 19, we see Abraham's faith in Genesis 15 and Romans 4. But here's a progression of that faith. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now, when was the first resurrection? I mean, you know, when was the first resurrection? It was Moses. Now, was Moses before or after Abraham and Isaac? He was clearly after. He was with the children of Israel who came from, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Abraham believed in a resurrection that had never happened before. Now, <clears throat> here's what we see then with the faith of Abraham. God says, Abraham is righteous. He believes in my creative power. And the devil in the onlooking universe say, well, God, you're saying he's righteous, but look at what he did with Ishmael and Hagar. I don't know if I trust your word now. 
Now God knows that Abraham repented and then he had Isaac, and you would say, well, yeah, see, he repented and he had Isaac, but the rest of the world is saying, no, he, he still messed that up with Ishmael and Hagar. I mean, how can you say that he's righteous? He, he lived according to the works of the flesh. <clears throat> and then God says, okay, I'm going to give you a demonstration of the faith of Abraham to show you that when I say he is justified, I am just to say that he is. And so Abraham goes through the experience of Mount Moriah. <clears throat> and at the end of that experience, God can look at the devil and the onlooking universe and he says, do you have any questions now? And, Abraham, and the devil and the rest of the universe have to be quiet because God is just to say that Abraham is justified. Abraham fears God, gives glory to him. And this is the part of the three angels' messages. This will be the experience of God's last day people because if you look at God's last day people, God's last day people are going to have the faith of Jesus Christ. And God will say, look at my people here on this earth. <clears throat> they live by the same faith that Jesus lived by. <clears throat> Just as Jesus was on the cross and he couldn't see through the portals of the tomb, so my people will have the same faith when they are put to the test. Specifically during Jacob's time of trouble. <clears throat> and the devil will say, are you kidding me? I know Norman McNulty. I've seen that guy mess up. Just like you could say the same thing about Abraham or anyone else that God says is righteous. And you could, you could plug your name into that same equation. And so God is saying, these people, they keep the commandments of God. They have the patience of the saints and the faith of Jesus. And <clears throat> the devil's like, yeah, right. Give me one shot at them and I'll take them down. I know what kind of lives they've lived because all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And he'll have a checklist and he'll say, you know, February 11, 1998, he did this. And, and he'll just go down the list. How in the world, God, can you say that you are just to say that these people are justified and that they're living by your faith? There's no way. <clears throat> and so God's people will go through Jacob's time of trouble. The devil will throw everything at them. God's people come through victorious. And God will look at the devil and the onlooking universe, and he will say, any questions now? Any more questions? And there won't be. And God will have flipped the sin problem on its head because you will have gone from Satan being a perfect being in a perfect environment, sinning in the presence of God, to God taking a group of people from the weakest generation that's ever lived and turning them into people who live by the faith of Jesus. So why is it that righteousness is by the faith of Jesus Christ to all who believe? What are we believing? Jesus had to make a choice on the cross to believe that God would raise him from the dead, even though he didn't feel like it at that moment. 
And we may not feel that God can raise us up to walk in newness of life, but we choose to believe in the creative, resurrecting power of God to raise us up to walk in newness of life. And here's my last point. When Jesus made that decision of faith, it was while he was being crucified. And that is why Galatians 2, 20 makes so much sense. And Galatians 2.16. We'll start in Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So how do we live when we're crucified with Christ? By the faith of Jesus Christ. Which is why it's interesting in Galatians 2.16 it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. You see that? You're justified by the faith of Jesus Christ. And you're justified when you believe. All those who believe are justified. What does it mean to believe? It means to believe that God who raised Jesus from the dead will raise us up to walk in newness of life. And when you believe like that, then you have justification by faith. And the only way you can believe that way is when you are being crucified. When the old man of sin is being put to death. Because if it's not, you will never believe. The old man will still reign over you and cause you to be subject to it. So, anyway, I've just been studying some of these concepts, the faith of Jesus in the book of Romans, and the faith of Abraham, and what it means for us to believe. And so these are some connections that I've made recently, so I hope that that will be helpful for you as you think about how to live a life of faith in these last days. May we truly believe and may God be justified in his sayings and overcome when he is judged, when he puts his name on the line in the judgment for us. May we be faithful and may God bless us. Thank you.